Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. Cahen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. Cahen and Little Red Hen – just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Well, welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails with me, your host, Forrest Whitman. Uh, we're broadcasting from the KHEN Caboose. And uh, we want you to all get comfortable. Uh, if you'd like to sit up in the angel seat up, up top, then you can kind of watch the landscape as we roll along. Or if you're chilly, why come down here, sit next to the stove. Uh, we, we, uh, we, this is a 1900 caboose, so we still burn coal in that, that coal, coal stove to keep us warm. So we'll kick back your feet and relax. We're going to chat today with uh, John Mattingly. And uh, he is a uh, farmer, sort of a farmer turned rancher, and he's got a lot of views about many, many things in the world. And so, uh, John, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, well, John. Now let's start with this intro where you say you you are a, that you you are really a farmer. Now, when you say that, but you you. You're actually more involved in in growing and selling uh, uh, sheep and goats. So that uh, does that qualify as a farmer, or does that qualify as a rancher? What and the listener to KHEN, all those things. Well, um, I uh, I always say that uh, farming is hard work and ranching is easy, uh, and so therefore, when I retired, I uh, took over. The, the ranching uh, chores uh, because they were much lighter. Um, when you ranch, the livestock does most of the work. Uh, when you farm, you have to uh, create the crops uh, through you know considerable inputs. Yes, I, I uh, retreated from uh, high octane, uh, high input uh, agribusiness uh, to retire. I uh, uh, acquired a small herd of sheep and goats. Uh, keep me uh, involved with uh, the earth and and those processes that I've always been involved with. That's and that's uh, that's pretty exciting. And now, how that fits into railroads is interesting too, because uh, down near where you live, down in that whole area around Sawatch and all through in there, why we used to ship a lot, a lot, a lot of produce out, uh, animals right. out. Uh, there were uh, three trains a day at one point through there, uh, just picking up. 
uh, produce, animals, and uh, and uh, now that's all gone to, to to trucks. But it's an interesting question you do have to ask. How how would it be if we could get back to the more efficient steel wheel and steel rail? You know, what what would do for that? Well, you know, just in the way you phrase that uh, raises an important point. You say get back to a more efficient uh, rail system, and 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 you see that that actually uh, is the crux of the issue. Is that the, the you need to d- demonstrate that it's more efficient, uh, and right now we have a measurement system that, due to s- various subsidies and and other uh, emissions from uh, the way we calculate. Uh, various uh, things in our society. Uh, we've made rail transportation more expensive than truck transportation. We've given uh, a much uh, greater emphasis on convenience uh, because trucks can go portal to portal uh, with, uh, with with some level of efficiency, but at a great cost in terms of uh, a carbon footprint. So again, um, when when we when you enter this topic. There's there's an important word that needs to be understood, and that's ledger status. Le- ledger status. Ledger status. And that's the first time we've said that <laughs> word in this caboose. That's ledger right. status. All right. What are we going to give ledger status to in our calculation of efficiency with respect to railroads versus trucks? And if we're going to only give ledger status to the cost of fuel and depreciation on the machinery uh, and labor then our calculation is going to be pretty simple. But if we're going to include, if we're going to give ledger status to a carbon footprint, then we're going to get a different result. But currently, we're determined to only give ledger status to uh, line items that will give us uh, a, a result that we're looking for, I guess is the way to put it. And that result is that it favors trucks over rails. I think that's uh, also a broader concept, the uh, the concept of if we're going to change the way we're going to approach all of these environmental issues, we're going to have to change the way we measure everything. We're going to have to give ledger status to a lot of line items that we are intentionally omitting or that we are uh, somehow giving favorable subsidies to uh, on the side. Okay, well, let's let's back up a little bit. Now, in the day when you could go into Swatch and go to the depot with your sheep, which the Coleman boys used to do that, um, yeah. Mel Coleman and so on, they and 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 they um, they take their sheep there. I don't know quite where they stopped with them, but they fill up a car full of sheep. Now, uh, let's think about that a little bit. That required the keeping the rails in shape from Sawatch to uh, pretty much to Denver. You know, and they, they you had to do that, and that that would certainly add a quite a lot of money to it. What would it cost to maintain uh, what uh, I seventy and then I twenty five up around the corner, and then to the slaughterhouse, which would be in um, Oh gosh, that old Greek neighborhood there in Denver, where they had the, the the slaughterhouse. I mean, the mileage would probably be fewer miles 
I'm guessing, from Sawat to uh, the center of Denver? Well, I think, Forrest, you're making it unnecessarily complicated. I, I think the, 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 we have the capability today to, to reduce this to a carbon footprint calculation. Uh, you know, uh, and of course, with trucks, you have the roads, you have the you have the fuel, you have the fuel subsidies, you have the drilling and 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 uh, uh, extraction subsidies of the fossil fuel industry that are a part of the, that carbon calculation. If we had a carbon tax, then you would probably see a return to 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 more railroads. I mean, you could, you might say that uh, because. The cost of running trucks would be so high that people would be looking for alternatives. Uh, but you remember, with, with rail transportation, you know it works best if you're going from from portal to portal, where the the you have the end producer on one portal and the end user on the other portal. But because we've we've broken much of the livestock industry up into specialties, where some people you know, produce animals to a certain stage and then they background them and then they feed them and then they finish them and then they slaughter them. This means that the that the, the portal to portal sometimes doesn't go to end user. It goes to a, to an intermediary. And that's where the trucks have an advantage because the feedlots may not be at where the rail stations are. Okay. Now, yeah. if, you're, if you're shipping uh, a lot of, when the, when the sheep are ready to be slaughtered, that's a different different issue. Often, often uh, I think even today, uh, large uh, volumes of sheep and goats are pushed uh, by rail back east, where the demand for for uh, for sheep and goat meat is much greater than here in the west. So I think the rails are used where, you know, the portal at the end is, you know, is a, a shipping unit that's going to go to an end user. Interesting. Now, now what about that that transportation though? Um, um, back in my day, when I worked on railroads, why you had to let all 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 these animals, you had to let them out into big holding pens right. and let them move around, get water, drink water, yeah. and and so on. And uh, that was, as I recall, fairly complex. I mean, you you had to you 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 back the car in, you open the, the side, right. you have to. Have high fences in there. Of course, the animals are not happy. They're about to meet their the end of their lives, which brings up all, all kinds of other questions we don't want to even get into right now. Probably, I'm, I'm just wondering: do could we still? Well, we couldn't probably do that anymore. Not with pigs, could we? Or, or do we? I, that's a good question. I wonder. I don't. I don't know. You know. Well, I think the larger question is. You know how are we going to calculate the real cost and the real benefit of all our various systems of transport? I think that that we have developed a system that has intentionally excluded many of the environmental costs of transportation and has not included many of the environmental benefits of certain types of transportation. Uh, it's very difficult to particularize. I mean, you can say, you know, in one fact pattern. You know, moving a certain livestock from point A to point B might be more efficient under one system or another. You need an overarching system that's designed to take into account and give ledger status to all of the elements of the process, not just the 
preferred elements of the process. This segues into how do corporations who are responsible for, you know, rail lines and truck lines and so forth, how do they account for profit and loss? How do they run their balance sheets? Well, they're governed by a process called GAAP, which is generally accepted accounting principles. And if, if, if you want to make a big change in the way we look at these issues, rather than run for office, you should try to get appointed to the executive committee of GAAP and try to get GAAP to include many of these externalized costs and externalized benefits in the standard accounting procedures that are, that are used by companies and corporations uh, in the United States. How do I get a, <laughs> How do we here at, at, at KHEN, how do we do that? <laughs> well, uh, GAAP is, a pri- is run private, is a private entity. It's not run by the government. Uh, it's, it's basically professionals self-policing, you know, sort of like the trade unions, uh, you know, police their own people. Uh, it's basically accountants. And the, the concept behind GAAP is that, that when companies report their earnings, when companies make a statement about their balance sheet, there's uniformity, consistency, and integrity in that reporting. And, and the Association of Accountants has a, an interest in, in that uniformity so that when people make decisions about their investments, they're, they're, they're getting information that is coming from a level playing field and a respected and monitored playing field. Right now, all of the all externalized costs not all, but most externalized costs, as well as externalized benefits, are not included in GAAP. So when a company reports its earnings, it doesn't report the its environmental impacts. It doesn't report its carbon footprint, for example. And, and it doesn't report the benefits of something it may have done. It may have, it may have planted a bunch of trees, and then there's really no way for it to get a benefit from, from, from doing that. Uh, you see some corporations, you know, doing some window dressing and saying, yeah, we're going to, uh, every time you uh, make a purchase, we're going to plant a tree. Uh, we're going to have a zero uh, carbon footprint over time. Uh, unfortunately, many corporations have said they're going to, you know, not going to really get to carbon neutral until 2040, which is a long enough time that people will have a difficult time following it. It's kind of like the check is in the mail. But if it's going to get there 20 years later, you know, who's going to be at the post office uh, at the box to get it? Uh, but anyway, there, there certainly is an effort being made to approach this issue of trying to get the externalized costs to the environment calculated in the corporate earnings and corporate balance sheets so that when people make investments, you know, they can, uh, if they want, you know, they can, they can uh, select for those companies that are uh, operating with, you know, with, with greater environmental consciousness. Now... We we keep reading in Trains Magazine and places like that, uh, W. Wynn and the, these these writers, train writers, they they keep lamenting the fact that the big railroads, the the if you will class one railroads, uh, all have their eye on the stock market right. all the time, and that most of their decisions are made on that basis, and so this forces them to try to reduce crew size, try to reduce yeah. Uh, the number of employees, and unfortunately, they feel, or maybe 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 not 
but the, but they feel that there there's less um, less examination of equipment, less examination of track than there was, say, in the big age of steam, say, in the 1950s. And I don't know how true that is, but that's certainly worth thinking about. I mean, if your end game is the stock market, then uh, I suppose you're 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 thinking of something else out of your out of your gap. Well, not necessarily. I mean, the the, the corporate structure is such that uh, the way in which these large entities like railroad companies uh, capitalize their operations is through stockholders and and a board of directors that oversees the the operations of the company. So the 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 managers of the company are beholden to the stockholders because it is the stockholder capital that is invested in the company. So again, this goes back to GAAP, to the generally accepted accounting principles. If if the reporting of earnings included some of the externalized costs and benefits that are actually experienced in the business, the profit and loss picture would look very different than it does today. And the response of people in the stock market would be very different. But because of the way we have the, the accounting structured, uh, it's very difficult for, for railroads to not be uh, beholden to the stockholders under the, under the current regime under which they have to operate from an accounting standpoint. If you can change the accounting, then you can change the substance. I often say, you know, uh, McLuhan said that the medium is the message. I say the measurement is the mediator. Ah. The way that we measure things is going to mediate value. Hmm. And right now, we, you know, we're mediating value in a way that is distorting our perception of value. And so what... We wonder how to do that, how to... How to change that? You know, um, there certainly are groups involved in this, but they, they do, as you say, they, they tend to be focused on one fairly small area. And uh, how do we get the whole thing in there? I know they should listen to KN Radio every day. <laughs> that would that would broaden their view. Yeah. Uh, well, I think actually the the uh, my advice to people to, to Look at the opportunity to influence the way GAP sets its standards is is a way to influence the system without going through a lot of political wrangling. Uh, you know, if you become a, an elected official, now you are not only responsive to uh, you know the primary electorate, but you know you're also responsive to the accounting system and the, and the companies from which you receive donations and so forth. So. I think that the there are many ways for us to influence the way things are measured in our world without going through the the political system, but rather going through the agency and administrative body systems, yeah. like GAP. Uh, get in there and 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 get uh, you know get ways for ledger status to be given to those line items that you that you want to influence the 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 outcome of the measurement. Uh, and that changes the way companies report their profits. It changes the way their balance sheets are stated. And that can affect real change in the way things function in the machinery of society. Well, okay. You you are, you are now uh, get a bunch of goats ready to go to market. And the big one of the big holidays is coming up. Maybe 
Now Mexican Independence Day, cabrito, you know, roasted goat, big thing on Mexican Independence Day. Um, the Eid, all of our Muslim relatives, and we've got a bunch of them, they, Eid for them means uh, not turkey, <laughs> as Thanksgiving does for us, but rather it means uh, roasted goat. Right. They, they, they roast, roast a lot of goat. It, it's actually kind of good, and they put some of, some of these spices they put on them. Oh my, the, the goat with the red sauce, excellent. The goat with the green sauce, you got to be ready for that one. I'm not usually, but uh, the point being that that uh, so what you you're getting back to how do you, your accounting system? How do you account for number of goats in, number of goats out? What do they do? They degrade the the landscape more or less? Or I mean, how do you? That's that's complex. It is. No, it's complex, but but we're not without the technical uh, apparatus to to make these measurements and, and and include these items, and give them ledger status. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I can calculate the carbon footprint of of a, a herd of goats uh, by you know looking at the the, uh, the amount of feed they consumed. Uh, there's you know the, I have good records on how much I fed. It's not 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 a Matt's eyebrow calculation, but it's it's good enough for, for, uh, for, for purposes of uh, profit and loss calculation. Uh, and unfortunately, none of those things are actually included in, uh, in my calculations because, in a sense, that, that process is already delegated to the marketplace. In other words, when, when the marketplace states you know what it's willing to pay for a certain grade of animal at a certain age that's what the market is so by the time the producer gets to that point in 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 the market all of the all of the accounting has already been done ah. all, all right. the accounting is already the producer so, the producer doesn't really have any input into so that. you take your goat in and uh goat carcass in and and you already know then what what price you're going to get paid for that carcass at that point? Oh yeah, now, the market tells you what it, what it, what you're going to get paid. So the producer doesn't have any leverage in this, you know, in this in this particular setup, uh, and and that's you know that's true of all livestock producers. No livestock producer really has any leverage in in setting the price, uh, and a, there's a lot of talk. About about that, I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of packing houses get together and and, and uh, are guilty of collusion sometimes, and they hold prices down. Uh, recently, there've been a lot of uh, crying out about how you know the producers of all bread meat uh, and pork and chicken have been getting you know very very low prices, while at the supermarket the price has been quite high. Uh, and these disparities again go back to the way that we do our accounting. If we don't reform our accounting system, we're always going to have inequities and disparities and and uh, and, and irrational outcomes in the market. Hmm. So, uh, your faith in the market isn't as strong as, say, Milton Friedman's was there at the University of Chicago when he said that would end all wars. Well, well I, I think that what the, you know the people who are in, a, in the academic world, when they look at and talk about markets. They're talking about markets in which, A, information is near perfect, 
which it's not, and B, in which the you know the the uh, ingredients of measurement, that, that is the items that are given ledger status, are fair in in in, in terms of the impact on producers, users, and the environment. You know that that threefold you know impact field. Uh, the, but those are assumptions, and those assumptions are not always correct. No. Uh, again, it depends on what is being included in the calculation of profit and loss. My goodness. Well, well, friends, you're, you're wondering what's going on in the caboose here, the on-the-rails caboose. We're in deep water today, and it's great. We're, we're, we've got John Mattingly here, and he is a, is a farmer, rancher. We'll get, maybe get back to that distinction. But he's talking at, we're talking economic theory here this morning, which is just really delightful and uh, talking a lot about what he writes about in some of his columns. And he's a, a noted journalist, by the way, and uh, we've, I've written a few things along those lines, but nothing like what he do, does in terms of getting in deep, deep, deep into principles of accounting and so on. And uh, what, a fun, what a fun trip we're having this morning in, in the caboose. Uh, we do have... Well, we need to break in for a minute, too. We do have, uh, uh, at, at the head end, of the, up in the engine, pulling us along, we've got uh, Rick White up there, and we haven't heard anything from Rick, and we haven't begun to go into these other topics, including railroad history and farming and railroad history and ranching in, uh, in Colorado. So let's, let's, if we could hear, I'm going to see if I can get in touch with the, the head end of this train, and hear what uh, Rick White is thinking up there. Are you thinking up there? Well, th this is a very interesting interview for us. It's a little bit different than what we've been doing. <clears throat> John apparently is a uh, very well-read individual, and um, I, I feel like I'm a little bit in over my head. But uh, we are just about ready to uh, start in uh, to our second half of this program. We've got about one minute. And, um, boy, it's beautiful up here. We're cruising along about 45 miles an hour. Uh, and, I've, I've, uh, yeah, I enjoy uh, being an engineer for this show for us and uh, gives me a chance to get out in the train a little bit. Yeah, all Thank right. Thank you. Okay, good, good. Well, all right, well, we'll continue then with this interview as we get into the, the second half of this interview. And um, something we need to keep and we should keep in mind as well is this train is paid for in part by the subscriptions that people make to this radio station and to Colorado Central Magazine, those two entities. Yeah, very good. And, you know, we would always say if you online listeners, and we know that Forrest has a lot of them, um, go to that donate button. Cahen's money down here is very wisely spent. We cannot run it on zero money. We need your support. So maybe uh, this uh, fall season you can uh, go over and hit that donate button. It works really easily and become a sustaining member. Oh, that's great. All right, well, at the end of each segment, we always say eyeball. We stick our head out the back end of the caboose. We get our lantern way up. Oh, you've seen how you give a big highball to, to the engineer to go. So at the count of three, breathe ball. Breathe in. First, breathe in good. Really get right. Then breathe out. 
Then at the count of three, we're going to do highball. One, two, three. Highball, highball, highball. We're out of here. Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889.